You are listening to The Takedown Notice, hosted on Google Hangouts. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Takedown Notice. This is, I believe, episode three, if we're counting by episodes that the public has heard. The Takedown Notice is the proud home of the last remaining Collective Soul fan. So we want you to know that this... Hey, hey, whoa. Don't tar me with your brush here. Um, Aaron. Technically, Aaron and John are both fans, so that true. is correct. Yeah, and I, I have, I have, may or may not have their CDs on my my CD rack. But then I'm the kind of guy who still has a CD rack. So what does that say about me? Uh, my name is Nate Owens. I am coming to you from uh, Lenexa, Kansas. No, I, I used to live in Lenexa. I'm coming to you from Olathe, Kansas. Uh, I am joined by in Ohio, Jonathan Van Valkenburg. Uh, also from Seattle, Washington, Ryan Steiner. And from Rochester, New York, Aaron Van Valkenburg. Three of us have each picked a single. We're going to talk about it, just a single song off of an album. And we're going to discuss those songs that we picked. And the last person picked an album, an entire album to talk about. But before we get underway, I thought I would ask you guys, what kind of music have you guys been listening to? Anything interesting, old favorites, anything uh, you want to share with the group? Ryan, how about we start with you? Um, let me see if there's... Oh, you know what? No, I've been on a big classical music, Ben, for the last few weeks. <laughs> there was a uh, an interview that I heard on NPR, and it was this violinist, Gil Shaham, and he was talking about this uh, project that he's been working on of composers of the 1930s, and he was talking about a few different composers that I'd never really heard of, and so I've been listening to those for the last week and a half or so. Samuel Barber, mostly, who I'd never Sweet. had much exposure to or really even heard of, um, just listening to a lot of that music. Also been listening to Beck's new album, which I think is beautiful and lovely, and I listen to it with headphones on and kind of, it's my zen right now. It's kind of nice. I'm so tired of being alone. But yeah, those, between those two things, that's mostly what I've been listening yeah. to. Uh, the I've, I've been listening to that new Beck album just a little bit. I had, I, I haven't probably given it as much attention as you've given it yet. Um, it's a lot like Sea Change, which was his awesome. 2002 album. Sea Change is a really good album. So if he's gonna if he's gonna do over one of his albums, that's an awfully good choice. I, I I'm inclined to say it's maybe almost too much like Sea Change in the sense that they kind of. It's kind of like, wow, I listened to it. Like, even the first song, I forget what it's called on the album, on, on Morning Phase, but the first, it says, like, oh, this is basically the golden age. Yeah. <laughs> from, yeah, from it covers change. a lot of the same territory, but it's, I don't no, know. It's, I, it's a little more upbeat. It's not quite as morose. Sea Change is a really, uh, is a really sad-sounding album. Um, but awesome. Yeah, oh, it's, yeah, it's no, excellent. It's but it's, it's definitely kind of a kind of a chore <laughs> to get through the first time if you don't, especially if you're used to, like, Beck from Midnight Vultures or something like that. So I, I mean, yeah, it's it, it's good. Um, I'm a little, I'm a little underwhelmed by it so far, but uh, that's John, because you're terrible. It's okay. Moving that on. might be. That's why I'm here with you guys. Uh-huh. John, have you been listening to anything interesting lately? I have basically had um, "Holding On for Life" by Broken Bells on like a nonstop repeat um, on Spotify. <laughs> Um, is the whole is now is that the is that their whole new album or is that it's the, not out yet the new album is okay out. this is a okay I, um, I was actually looking for the new album because I read a review of it and I was like oh I want to catch it because I like I like the first Broken Bells album quite a bit um, yeah. I like Broken Bells um, this one has a very um, BG esque feel to it. Yeah. Um, music video is awesome as well it's very spacey and trippy um but no that's that's been an awesome song i've been listening to it non-stop um i actually listened to a lot more of the hives after uh <laughs> the most recent uh, single selection by unate we'll be talking um, about them more today uh walk idiot walk was pretty much number two in my playlist as far as like popularity um i i really ended up digging that song a lot so that's a good one. I yeah, we'll 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 come back to that one. I have I have a lot more to say on them. Um, 
but yeah, that's a that's a really good one. So, Aaron, you have anything you wanna you wanna tell us about that we should know about? Yeah, I mean, I've been listening to uh, really for the past couple of months a lot of bluegrass uh, and uh, kind of old time music a little bit. Not exactly old time, but um, Old Crow Medicine Show. Yeah, really just fantastic. Carry Me Back is the latest album, and uh, definitely a big fan of that. Um, been listening to them. Also, just some classic bluegrass, the Stanley Brothers um, and Bill Monroe. You know, everything I learned about bluegrass, I learned from the Oh Brother Where Art Thou soundtrack. The Stanley Brothers <laughs> sing uh, Angel Band. On yes, they do. Yes, it's that's a, one of my uh, songs from that album. That album yeah. Too. So I'm a big fan there, and I, I think I've always, not always, uh, I should say, the past year I've really been into like late '70s pop. Um, Ooh. Yeah, I, for some reason I'm really, I'm really uh, into that, <laughs> which is interesting as a metal fan because that's the disco <laughs> era. But I love disco. And I just love the late '70s pop. It's really cleaned up and really professionalized, but it's I just love it. So you would then like that Broken Bells song. Yeah, I'll check yeah, it out. You would, you would like that. Cool, very cool. Well, I've been. Um, I also was inspired. I, I have I have two Hives albums that I'm really familiar with. I'm familiar with uh, Tyrannosaurus Hives, which is what Walk Idiot Walk is from, and I'm really familiar with the Black and White album as well. But I took the opportunity listening to the single I picked to kind of dig in a little more um, into a couple of their other albums. Lex Hives was the one they did just a couple years back. Um, and then the one before Tyrannosaurus Hives, which is Benny Vidi Vicious, which is one of my very favorite album names ever. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's ridiculous. So it, it is It is ridiculous. I've also been listening to a lot of the Black Keys. They've kind of only really been big in the last four years here, uh, really. But that, but they became big like five or six albums into their career, which is rare. Um, but you know, I, I, I feel like I need to kind of go back and say, okay, well, I, I need to get into their earlier stuff because I have uh, El Camino and Brothers, and those are those are good albums, and I like them. And I thought I'm going to get, you know, their first album, the second album, and it's good, but it's all basically blues garage music. I mean, it's it's the same sort of sludgy. It's kind of sludgy. Yeah, and I I don't mean that in all in a bad way. It's I was actually I had him on down here in my game room on like a mix just on my phone, and I was listening to it, and I really liked it even when I wasn't immediately familiar with the song. But you do kind of have to give those older albums a lot of listens before individual songs start floating to the surface and you can recognize stuff by riff and stuff, you know. So it's it's really good, but I don't think they really became... I mean, it, they, they they peaked at the right time. They became famous at the right time because it's only been in the last four or five years they've been able to put together songs that you could call singles that would be on the radio and stuff like that. So I've uh, been listening to a lot of them. So that's that's been a lot of fun. Um do you guys have anything else you want to share before we dive in here? Go blue. Yeah, no. we're not, not going to talk about that. We'll edit that out in post. Yeah, that's right. We will. <laughs> that's right. A we will. Fan too, so he's not going to edit oh, it out. Dang it! That's right. Man. The listeners will never know what is behind the takedown notice. <laughs> and I, and I am too lazy to edit it myself. So. <laughs> All right, well, let's go ahead and get started on the songs we all picked for this month. Well, I shouldn't say all of us. Only three of us picked a song. One of us picked an album. Myself, Ryan, and Aaron picked songs to talk about. We're going to talk about those this episode, and John will share with us in our next episode. Uh, but, Ryan, let's start with you with the song that you picked, and uh, tell us about it. Tell us what you picked, and tell us uh, the reason why you picked it. I chose Yet Again by Grizzly Bear from their latest album, Shields.
I really love the album. I think it's it's pretty great. But this is the one song that I kind of come back to a lot. Mostly, uh, I like that there's a lot of texture to it. Um, especially the the opening riff just is really simple, but there's kind of a lot of a lot of stuff going on, like with the bass line and stuff, and that kind of carries it throughout. Uh, and I think the vocals on it are just really really kind of lovely too. It all ties together really nice. And I don't know, there's a lot of songs on the album that aren't quite as melodic, but this one carries it through. And uh, yeah, it's just one that I keep coming back to. And it usually when, I, when I'm when i choosing songs for this, I usually look at uh, listening now section or what I've been listening to. And this is one that was coming up. So I went ahead and chose it. Uh, but what did you guys think? I'm curious to hear what your thoughts were. Well, I, uh, I, I would definitely agree that it, it's got a very, a very heavily textured sound. Um, it, you know, this is, it, when, when I hear music like this, it, this is what I classify as, oh, that's what I- indie music sounds like. Um, and I think that that that's, that's, sounds more dismissive than I mean. I don't, I don't mean to say that I don't like it, because I do like it. Um, but I, I, it does kind of have this sort of oh that's that's sort of what I expect non-mainstream rock music to sound like these days. The biggest thing I noticed about it, musically at least, um, and this really stood out to me from the very first listen, and every time I'd hear it afterwards, the the end of the song when it just kind of goes into the guitar lead break it sounds a lot like it's being played by Johnny Greenwood from Radiohead, and it sounds and it, and it sounds a, a lot like something off of OK Computer. Um, and I don't, and I, I couldn't unhear it. Like, I, first thing I heard, I was like, oh, it sounds like Johnny Greenwood's doing the guitar for this. And uh, as far as I know, it's not. I couldn't find anything. It's just them, but it sounded very strongly of OK Computer to me, which is good. I like OK Computer a lot. So, um, that was what stuck out to me the most. Um, I did listen to the whole album, and yeah, I, it, it takes a little bit of effort, um, maybe a little more than I was able to put in just yet, but it. I, I, I like this song a lot. I thought it was. I, I like the chorus, uh, the, the melody of the chorus a lot, yeah. especially because it, it wasn't. I mean, you hear that kind of really. It's kind of the sort of shimmering feel to it, and you you hear that, and you think, ah, it's it's gonna kind of have this big anthemic chorus. Anthemic, anthemic. Yeah. Well, now who cares? Well, anyway, you you think it'll have like this big soaring melody, and I'm. I mean. The cliche of that would be like U2 or Coldplay or something like that, but then it's a little more subdued than that, and I think it's actually more memorable as a result. So uh, that was that was what I really liked about yeah, it. Yeah, I love that section in the chorus where yeah, you think it's going to go high, and but then it just kind of everything cuts out, and it's just the thumping of the bass drum, and it just mm-hmm. yeah, kinda, yeah, it's more yeah. subdued than what you'd expect. Yeah, Aaron, I, I, John? I'll go ahead. I think. Uh, the album was released on my 30th birthday, oh. which is really cool. So I decided, well, I better listen to the whole album. Um, but what's interesting, uh, I have a thing for listening to, to albums. I always use, listen to them when I'm doing the dishes. And it always turns out that I get to the middle of the last song and never hear the full last song. So I, <laughs> so I listen to the whole album but the last song. Anyway, I, I definitely got that kind of psychedelic feel to it a little bit that indie psychedelia kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the song made more sense, again, in context of the album, mm. because by itself it kind of sounds like a single, and it is. Yeah. Um, and But then it also, at the end, there's a lot of, like, just extra feels indie, feels a little bit avant-garde or something, you know. Uh, and um, I think in context of the album, the rest of the album helps give context to what their sound is in this track. When I first listened to this, I couldn't make sense of the song in itself until I heard the whole album. Huh. So, Yeah, I'd only listened to the album, so I hadn't heard it on its own. That's mm-hmm. really interesting. 
Yeah, you know, I actually thought when I heard it, I thought, you know, this sounds like it would, I mean, I, I liked it right away, but I thought this would be even better within the context of the album. Like, it feels like it's got kind of a centerpiece feel to it. Um, almost, almost in the sense of, um, if any of you have heard Smile by Brian Wilson, which I very well might choose that at some point, because I really love that album. Um, but the, the, the very central song of that is Surf's Up, which is, sounds way... It, that sounds really kind of you know groovy and Beach Boys and that stuff, but it's a kind of a, a funereal, kind of sad song, and that's that's the centerpiece of the album. It's like right in the middle, kind of the anchor, and um, that's one that it, it almost had that kind of feel like this, like it's catchy on its own, but feels like a centerpiece to something bigger. So yeah, yeah, and so I guess I would say, judging from my take on quality of that, I like it. I did not exactly like it as a single, and I think it's because it's part of an album. Yeah. And, it, you know, you need a single. It helps the band. But yeah, just... and those first two songs really lead up to it. You know, you can yeah. kind of feel it heading in that direction, and then this kind of, like, busts yeah. out of that. And I really like the first two songs, too. Um, and then it kind of leads. That's sort of the high mark of the beginning of the album, and then it kind of sloops back down a little bit again. So, mm-hmm. And I can see that. I hadn't. Yeah, I'd never thought about that because I'd never heard it except for in the context of the album but it's interesting yeah i didn't i didn't listen to the whole album so i'm feeling kind of lazy um i know that's what we think of you too yeah i know shut up um (laughs) i liked i liked basically um i found myself feeling kind of like aaron that i liked basically up until about two-thirds of the way through when it started to go kind of into its descending mode where it was very um avant-garde etc it reminded me a little bit, and again, I need to go back and listen to the full album because it reminded me a little bit of like, um, and I can't remember which if it's the ending of Hey Johnny Park or My Poor Brain on Foo Fighters, mm-hmm. um, where at the end they just kind of go to like this weird, um, uh, very avant-garde ending, but then it kind of works its way right into the beginning of the next track. And so as a piece, it works amazingly because it just kind of blends right together, um, and you get the art in it. Um, I, I liked the first part. I liked Grizzly Bear as a band, so um, I just hadn't listened to this whole album. So um, I really liked the first like two-thirds of the song, and then when it gets like to that last minute or so where it's kind of really slow, I'm like, you're losing me. <laughs> you know, I, I, need, I, need my, I need something to, to bring me back here. So. Yeah, you know, it, it's not a it's not a super <laughs> I, 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 immediate kind of song. You know, it doesn't it it requires a little bit of buy-in to make it work. Um, and I and I I think because of that, there's sort of a, a feeling like the song is kind of keeping me at arm's length, um, which sounds sounds like it, it's hard to engage with it until you've given it kind of everything you're going to give to it and then it starts to kind of pay off for you and I can see I mean that's how people listen to that's how you listen to if you listen to a whole album that's how that works um, but some songs work that way too and it kind of it kind of had that quality to me right and I mean especially you know contrasting against you know Jimmy Eat World they do a lot of the exact same stuff so it's not like I don't like the you know avant-garde long endings to things um I do. I just, for me, I didn't. It didn't make as much sense because, again, don't have the album as context. Um, yeah, it does lead into the next song, so I can see why. Right. So just that hearing that, I'll have to go back to and listen to, and then I'll be able to give a more fair assessment. Yeah, um, it's a really excellent now, album. Now that I feel like I've cheated everybody that's listening to this podcast. <laughs> There go all of our new listeners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. Yet again by Grizzly Bear. Anyone else have any thoughts? Doesn't sound like it. I think we're good. Okay, I'm going on. I'm going Damn on, it. and I'm I'm gonna take the next spot. Um, the song I picked was "Walk Idiot Walk" by the Hives from their 2004 album Tyrannosaurus Hives.
I picked this album, or this, this song, I should say. I, The Hives are, at their best, sort of my platonic idea for what a rock band should be. <laughs> and I say that because they... They've done the whole thing where, first of all, they're Swedish, which I find funny. Like, they're from some nowhere backwater town in Sweden, and they were, they they claim, as a band history, that they were discovered by a guy named Randy Fitzsimmons, who no one has ever met Randy Fitzsimmons, and no one knows who this man is, but he's listed as the writer of all their songs. <laughs> and and nice. then they all give themselves funny names, like uh, Howlin' Pell Almqvist is their lead singer, uh, Dr. Matt Destruction is bassist, um, and they get like you know the they, Monty Python joke. Yeah, um, my favorite is one of their guitarists. His name Vigilante Carlstrom. <laughs> <laughs> Which I and, the, and then the other side of that, they have a, you know, they they dress in like matching outfits. They always dress in black and white, and so they're always wearing the same the same getup. On the cover of Tyrannosaurus Hives, they're in like Colonel Sanders, you know, like bow ties and like you know so, all these s- southern gents. Kind of, kind of dressed up to do a rock show from Sweden, and, uh, and the other thing, their sound is funny to me because it's like they heard "Wild Thing" by the Trogs and really liked it. Except they thought, you know, this would be great if we sounded a whole band around playing "Wild Thing" twice as loud and twice as fast. <laughs> and especially their early stuff is so intense. Like all their albums are half an hour long, and I think they have like a full 45 minutes of material. They're just getting through it that quickly. They they just blast through everything, and in their first their first album especially, it's called Barely Legal. It's like from oh 1997 or something. Yeah. It's it's a little exhausting even after like two songs. Like you get into it and you're like, whew, boy. Um, and to a lesser extent, that's of uh, Veni Vidi Vicious as well. But uh, Tyrannosaurus Hives is probably their best album. That's what this is from. This is the lead single off of that album because it it's able to sort of throttle back some of that intensity and direct it a little more. So it's a little more focused. There's a little more nuance, which it sounds ridiculous to talk about with the hives. They aren't a nuanced <laughs> group at all. You know, they, no. they smash it out and they go in, you know, in 90 seconds the song's done. Um, there's a little more color with uh, keyboards and beats and different melodies on Tyrannosaurus High. So that's my number one, and this is sort of the best song from them. So I, I picked this instead of picking them as an album because they can be a little... Um, I, I you know I tried listening to a couple of their albums back to back and it wore me right out and I was working out at the time too I was like boy I can't keep up I <laughs> I can't I can't what these guys are doing and so um, I picked this one especially because it really does throttle that back some and is a little more uh, controlled but has a really nice uh, riff to it and I really like the vocal performance by Howl and Pell so <laughs> um, I, I'd love to hear what you guys thought of it loved it. I mean, in its simplicity, I mean, it was, it was, it was so much fun for me. Um, it did it reminded me a little bit of Jet. Yeah. Well, you know, they're all kind of contemporaries. Yeah, they were, and they're all kind of part of that that early two thousands garage Scout rock, rock revival. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was them. It was. Um, it was Jet, it was the Vines, the White Stripes, yeah. uh, the Von Bondies, all of these groups. And they're, for a while, for like three years, people were saying, oh, they're going to save rock and roll. And then it kind of fizzled out and didn't end up, you know, it, it was just sort of a subculture for yeah. a few years. I really love that era of rock. Uh, the, the Strokes were right in there, too. I love that stuff. And the Hives are one of my favorite ones from that era. So, but yeah, they, they do have a kind of a Jet feel to them. I think they're a little more... In Jet's, your face. Yeah, and, and Jet's more and contemporary, Jet, like uh, more commercial. Yeah, and Jet also sounds basically like ACDC to me. <laughs> like you know, I, at least when I hear them, I, that's oh, you always mean awesome. been my thought. So, yes, I, I mean awesome. I'm not saying I I'm not saying ACDC. a bad thing about ACDC. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'd also really like the lyrics. Um, I thought that they were you know simple enough, but I liked the I liked the concept in it. Yeah, and, you know, it, they didn't try to be smarter than they had to be. So uh, again, it, there's a reason it made it basically to right behind Broken Bells on my playlist of numbers of times I listen to songs. Well, and that's part of the premise of the lyrics, anyway. Not to be smart, uh, it's kind of it seems to be uh, not. It's you know, see the idiot chalk up his name on the blackboard. Um, you know, this kind of like some of the people who are supposedly smart are actually stupid. They're idiots, you know? Well, you know what I what I actually think it's about, and I'm 
I'm, I'm peeking a little bit into the context here. This was released in 2004 before the 2004 election, which we were all in college for and was kind of a contentious one, like they all are anymore. And um, I actually think it's very, it's pretty clearly about participation in democracy, <laughs> which, I mean, in, in, a, in sort of a, a, sn a snotty 16-year-old kind of way. Not a, it's about not, not a very, No, it's not a nuanced, well-informed thought process, but, you know, it's the hive. Not expected. I, mean, yeah, I don't think the hives really dabble. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they don't, <laughs> yeah, that's not, that's not what they're about. And so I think that's, you know, when the, see the idiot mark up his name on the ballot, I mean that's it's going after that pretense, and you think you're really doing something with this whole process, but man, it's all it's all corrupt, man. You know, wake so up, just, sheeple. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but it's but it's so palatable just because of how well the song goes down and just how how sharp the melodies are and the performances. So. Yeah, you know, I mean, with with things like that, that's it's fine to not be subtle and to be heavy-handed as long as the tone is right. You know, if if this was trying to be if the music were more morose and kind of reflective and contemplative, then we might just be laughing at it. But, right. you know, when it's just this kind of anthem, you know, just a, a rocking song, you can just bang your head along with it and uh Well, and it's anti-establishment. It's like, I'm sick yeah. of being told where to go, what to do. Yeah, uh, sure. Just it's, go it's up rock and roll, and man. Your name, you know. Yeah, you know, I I recommend if you guys get a chance, look on YouTube and try and find some performances of the Hives because their stage banter is really funny. Like Pell will be like, he'll yell at the audience, "Tell me to stop being awesome! Tell me to stop being awesome!" <laughs> and they'll tell, they'll yell back, it's like, "Stop being awesome!" And he'll say, "No, I won't!" <laughs> and he'll go into whatever the next song is. Um, what well, I saw, and and it might have been a performance of this of this song where he says, "Your mom says you can handle this much hives. I think you can handle this much hives, and whatever they're playing." <laughs> and so, if you get a chance, it's really worth looking into because he he's got he's got sort of a Mick Jagger kind of strut to him, which is also hilarious on his like you know long-haired Swedish guy. Just it's it's so bizarre. It's really funny. Aaron, what, what did you think? No, I, th I thought it was interesting. Uh, in 2003, they won Best Dressed Band in some <laughs> award show, I think, over somewhere else. So it's like, that's great. And then uh, they won a lot of uh, awards for, uh, like, the Swedish Grammys or something like that, whatever, 2005. I, I think the idea of the Swedish Grammys is really funny. So... <laughs> You know, yeah. I, they're all like with, they're all like pronounced like IKEA cabinets. Yeah. yeah. The Grom. Yeah. yeah. With two silent Z's. Yeah. Put an umlaut and little slash through everything. <laughs> and a mustache. If any, if any Swedish people are listening, we're really sorry. We're thinking of Norwegian. What am I thinking of? Norwegian. Is that not Swedish? You do not believe there's an E with uh, Swedish, but continue. This is oh, not we have a guy with an MA in linguistics yeah. over That's, here. Oh, boy. <laughs> anyway. You're so overqualified to be doing this podcast, it's guys. true. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, that's not true. No, one thing I, I like about the, what I noticed, I watched them perform on David Letterman's show, actually, um, just to kind of get a sense, because I got the idea pretty quickly, looking at Wikipedia and so on, that this was a visual band. This was, you know, Spotify's fine, but... Let's check them out like live, and not that it's very artificial to play on David Letterman in a lot of ways. But one thing I, I, I noticed, and you can hear it anyway, I always love it's such a kind of punk sound, if you will, and just kind of a rocking sound. To instead of having the normal like groove with the hi hat doing like the string of eighth notes or something, you know, it's just right on the toms. And that's kind of a, a, a oh yeah, of that's the true. type of thing. Yeah, you know, that really just heavy hitting kind of rock thing. And so that that what is normally on the uh, the hi hat there is just riding on the toms, and it gives a really heavy hitting kind of thumping sound. I thought that was just it's a really cool thing, and it's kind of a normal thing to do. But that's part of what I noticed first was like, oh, their sound is really heavy hitting with that, not heavy in the metal sense, but just that kind of um, thumping. 
uh, sound like you mentioned with the Trogs. Just yeah. a little more. Energy. The um the the interesting and actually I think they've released two albums since this one. They release albums like every four or five years. They're one of those bands. I don't know how the Hives can take so long to record an album, but. Um, Sweden, they, man. I know. Sweden. Building cabinets. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> the um, the the weird thing is their newer stuff was I think the the black and white album from 07 was produced by I think the Neptunes produced some of the songs, which is a weird a weird thing, but there it is. And then um, the newest one was produced by Dennis Herring, who has worked with a lot of other rock bands. I think he's worked with like Counting Crows and bands like that. You know, he's he's done a lot of that sort of thing and. They both they're they're good albums and they're worth checking out. I think I think Lex Hives, the newer one, is better too. But they have sort of almost a little too much low end to them, and in a weird way, it almost pulls back on some of the energy to me. I think the fact that it's a little more intense and oh and, and less beefy in its sound works in its favor on the earlier stuff. And I think, but now we have the you have the toms there, but it's a really percussive kind of sound. It's not like a real riff heavy sort of thing, you know. And so I I I think that's why it works so well. That's just kind of my thought of listening to them a lot. And I you know I don't know if you guys could really speak to that or not. The other thing was the guitar riff, the beginning of guitar riff of Walk Idiot Walk sounds a lot like Canix by the Who. The Who, yeah. And it sounds a lot like that song. (laughs) So. That's um, yeah. With the I can't explain, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that would be interesting uh, connection. I, I, that is a good comparison. Yeah, I like yes. the I'm, I, we might we might come to the Who at some point. I got a couple albums by them I really like. Um, all right, anyone else have any thoughts on Walk Idiot Walk? All right, all right, Aaron. Well, let's go with the song that you picked out for us this month. What song was that? Yeah, I chose uh, Fifty Ways to Leave Your Lover" by Paul Simon. problem is all inside your head, she said to me. The answer is easy if you take it logically. I'd like to help you in your struggle to be free. There must be 50 ways to leave your lover. 50 ways to leave your lover. You just slip out the back, Jack. Make a new plan, Stan. You don't need to be coy, Roy. Just get yourself free Hop on the bus, Gus You don't need to discuss much Just drop off the key, Lee And get yourself free And this is a 1975 number one hit um, from his album Still Crazy After All These Years. And, I mean, I didn't really know much Paul Simon anything um, except for, like, Simon and Garfunkel, you know, Bridge Over Troubled Water and stuff. That's like the token stuff when people think of Paul Simon. Or at least that's how I always did. Um, but then, you know, he started to do his own stuff, and uh, he has lots of big hits. I Actually, I should have mentioned earlier, I've been listening to a lot of Paul Simon. Uh, Kodachrome uh, and... Uh, me and Julio down by the schoolyard and all that stuff. Uh, so kind of a big fan, but this is just one of those uh, tracks that is just fun. I think that's what I get out of Paul Simon. It's kind of fun for fun's sake in a lot of ways. Uh, but he takes fun seriously, uh, which is interesting. Uh, I think why I chose this song really is I'm a big fan of, like, drummers. And this is uh, an important track for the uh, studio drummer Steve Gadd, who uh, was really one of the first uh, elite crossover musicians to do, you know, jazz, jazz fusion, rock, pop, and to play all this stuff at a high level. Um, and so, like, uh, Steve Gadd played for Chick Corea, and he also played for, like, Leo Sayer, a late 70s pop act, uh, the big hit, You Make Me Feel Like Dancing. Others like Steely Dan and stuff. So anyway, so he's just a great drummer. And the 
obviously the first thing that stands out to this uh, is the opening drum hook uh, that you have in the background in the verses, which is kind of like it's not a normal rock groove with the backbeat that's real pronounced, but it's more kind of melodic, linear type of thing between the, the hi-hat, snare, and toms, and so on. And then you juxtapose that with the groove on the chorus, which is just a straight just rock drug groove, but it's got a really good uh, kind of quality of rhythmic and musical flow. And so I think that's kind of what I pay, pay attention to. There's kind of this great sensitivity to dynamics and timbre and the, like the percussive decay of the instrument. Just it's a it's a really perfect. Uh, sound, I think, on the chorus. We are three episodes in, and we've already used the term percussive decay. (laughs) (laughs) I said that three times already today, so I was kind of, like, conscious about not saying it again. I don't want to seem ostentatious or anything. Yeah, Yeah, I don't want to be verbose. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I guess, like, uh, when I listen to this kind of track, and, you know, sometimes it's hard to put into words like, oh, that's just a straight-up rock beat, but why does that sound and feel so good? It's like uh, Billie Jean by Michael Jackson or something like that. You know, nothing simpler than that. But nothing grooves like that, you know? And I think the same thing with this. It's such a simple song in the, in the chorus. It's such an almost cheesy chorus, and yet it feels so cheesy. good. Yeah. And so... Um, yeah, I think it's kind of humorous, this juxtaposition. I think the other reason I, I, I enjoyed the humor of the contrast of the the man, you know, struggling with the difficulty of do I leave, do I not, and then the chorus, which is just like this really like, oh, it's really easy, you just do this kind of thing. It's just really just why is there a song about this, but why not, you know, and the juxtaposition of the first groove and the feel of the minor section with the major happy chorus with the happy feel good uh, groove is just funny and it, it just sets up the the bouncy kind of groove in the chorus so I just kind of enjoyed it at that level um, it just grooves yeah I can get that I uh, it's funny when I when I listened to it I didn't really remember what it was or I didn't realize that I knew it and then the chorus came to me, I'm like oh yeah <laughs> you know and it kind of has that feeling to it of like just sipping lemonade on a summer day. Um, but, yeah, just a, a really mellow kind of feel to it. Uh, mm-hmm. My thought, I had a little bit of a different take. I kind of thought it was super sexist. Uh, but <laughs> that, that, that actually <laughs> oh, not quite as funny. I was so like, it's really sexist. <laughs> but uh, I, guess, I guess it can also just be more humorous. Um, but, I don't know, tomato, tomato, I guess, for that. I don't know. I'm kind of interested in what you mean by that. Well, I mean, just lyrics, just, yeah, just slip out the back, Jack. Just excuse everything you've ever done. Make new plans, Stan. Don't worry about it. You can be an asshole. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of this dismissive, like, ah, don't worry about it. It's cool uh, sort of feeling. But then again, it can also be just kind of a humorous take on a more more sensitive topic uh, just on first listening I think of it more as don't worry about that woman she'll be fine you know oh yeah uh, now, I think it's both I mean I, it's obviously I think it's very sexist in that way uh, and that's great I mean <laughs> I sexism <laughs> it's awesome the <laughs> take more sexist two thumbs up <laughs> you know okay I, I Ryan I kind of came <clears> from a similar place now I thought was oh, this guy's kind of a pig because he's talking to this other woman. It's like, hey, how should I leave my lover? She says, well, we could sleep on it. And, <laughs> and I, in my head, I'm like, you know, I, you know, whatever. A, a protagonist doesn't have to be likable for a song to be good. Unfortunately, the other problem with this song is that it's kind of terrible. I, <laughs> I, 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 I like the, the way the verses work. I find the chorus to be really obnoxious. I think it's just, it's like, it's too cutesy. It sounds kind of novelty-like to me. It sounds like one of those ridiculous songs that 
you look back and you hear, oh, that song was a big hit in the 70s. Oh, it would have been a big hit in the 70s. And <laughs> That makes I, complete sense. Yeah, and I don't know if it just feels like, I think, now musically, I really like the kind of, those really light drums that come in at the beginning and the, during the verses especially. The, this, it's a completely different song during the verses. Lyrically, it's still, it's still kind of problematic maybe, but, you know, I can look past that but man that chorus it's like the deck was already stacked against it because the first time i heard this song was my parents singing it oh which there's like they go see who look out you know slip out the back jack and it's like you know you Mom, know how it don't is you sing this yeah when you're when your parents sing old <laughs> pop songs from when they were you know teenagers and this is going to be the same way for us i'll be singing walk idiot walk when i'm 45 and my boys will be like oh dad oh please um but man it it was like it's like it just like shifts gears and becomes super obnoxious <laughs> and then shifts back into the version of the song I kind of like and then shifts back into the super obnoxious version <laughs> and I'm like boy it, it just soured me on the whole thing I, it's it's too cutesy too novelty I ugh, no no thanks okay maybe it's because I'm <laughs> old um, but yes, I completely yes. took this a different way um, one given the context of the time, I don't think this is like an extramarital type thing. This is a dude that is in a relationship, and I only construed it as he's talking to one woman the whole time. So his lover right. is the woman he's talking to. Um, and he's not happy. Um, he's one of those just stays in the relationship, just stay in the relationship kind of guys. And I read the chorus as like his friends and uh, you know giving him advice – you know, basically saying, hey, you, you get out of there. And then at the end with the lyrics, I was just looking over these again. Um, when he said, uh, it says at the end, she said, why don't we just both sleep on it tonight? And I believe in the morning you'll begin to see the light. And then she kissed me and I realized she was probably right. There must be 50 ways to leave your lover. He's basically, in that, in that sense, I was getting, he's saying, there's got to be so many different ways that people end up leaving their lover once they finally are fed up. You know, that's um, interesting, John. I hadn't considered that it was just one woman, but if you read it a different way, it could also be, well, here's the door. You know, don't don't <laughs> let it hit you on the way out. Like, you can read the choruses that way. Just no one's keeping you here. I don't care, you know? Like, you're going to leave. Go ahead and leave. Uh, so that... That mitigates it somewhat. I hadn't thought about that. It, I had See, always I, just thought it was the lover and the other and the original woman. Um, and maybe maybe I'm coming at it from that angle because I remember being in a relationship in in college that I really really wanted to get out of, but I just kept staying in and staying in, and I was like, ah. Oh. And then you know something like. You know, I get a kiss or something and be like, oh, yeah, I know why I'm still here. And then it's, you know, so that's kind of probably how I approached it because of history. But that's that's how I read it. And, again, I could be completely off base. I'm sure there's somewhere out there that Paul Simon says, yeah, I was, you know, completely talking about ditching a woman and, you know, probably three, three kids or something like that. Um, and, you know, he'd be totally a douche, but – um, I think this I is the most well, anyone has ever discussed well, the subtle lyrics. Well, no, <laughs> 50 I ways to leave your lover. I don't think it's Go subtle. on record right now. <laughs> I would like to say I, I do think this is an, basically an affair set up. And not to be, I guess, too harsh, but it's, it's great. That's I mean, that's what it is to me. And I'm like, okay, this, this is temptress to giving you all these reasons you should, you know, and he's struggling with it in the verse and the unsettling groove that tells you he's not sure. Yet at the same time, that's this internal wrestling. On the other end, it's like, dude, just it's easy to do, but it's hard to do. Like it's, you know, there's this internal struggle to like, to ha have an affair. You know, do I do it? Do I not? And yet there's this almost comical ease with which you can have an affair that, you know, that the chorus kind of embodies in a way. Maybe that's putting way too much uh, into the lyrics. Uh, well, I, can I can enjoy this song because I completely disagree with the premise uh, where you're Sure, sure. Uh, well, I enjoy the struggle that, that's built into – it's a potential uh, structure of people's relationships anyway. I mean it's not that we have to like endorse – affairs and stuff to right, enjoy, right. enjoy the fact that there's this uh, tension that can 
pop up. As far as cutesy, I should say, I, I heard something about that the chorus for this, he discovered the lyrics for this and the basic idea playing with his young son in a, like a sandbox, you know, singing stupid rhymes. And he's like, oh, that'd be cool. And then he, that's so cutesy is right. And, well, but also I'll say yeah. that, you know, the phrases are, like, iconic for our parents' age. Like, yeah, they are. they'll, I'll constantly hear, you know, make a new plane stand, hop on the bus, Gus, you know, things like that. Um, Which so, makes it all the more tacky in a way. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, but a also, whole other level of prestige to put on it. For us, yeah. it's tacky. <laughs> but for, no, even for them, I think, it's just... Uh, see, see, that's where I don't... I don't know. That's where I think that it's you know him talking to himself or friends talking to him. They're being yeah. very blunt and very you know like, you know you know I you know, when I yell at myself I talk to myself like I'm a child. Um, right, right, right. And so that's kind of where that's kind of where I got it. And again, that juxtaposition of like the, you know, he's talking about just get yourself free. I think I literally think he's just in one of these oppressive like, oh my gosh, I hate this that I'm still here. Um, kind of relationships. Again, it could be completely what you're saying that it's an affair, and that's where he's saying get yourself free. Um, I didn't see it, but I, I have one yeah. final question for y'all in case you have something, Nate. Oh yeah, I, I was just gonna say thematically, it reminds me a lot of uh, Norwegian Wood. This bird is flown by the Beatles, which is a song about an, an, an actual affair that John Lennon had. Because John Lennon, for as good a musician as he was, was a, a real pig, especially especially while the Beatles were together. He straightened up some in the 70s. Um, but that song, it, this is like the the goofy funhouse version of the same theme to me, <laughs> which which I, I think maybe that's what's grating on me to some extent. There's a way to make this kind of thing where it doesn't sound kind of tacky and irritating. And I, I, I think it might just, I, you, you're right, John, that it, it's something that it's very much of its time. It's like the musical equivalent of bell bottoms, you know, and so, <laughs> I, and I, I don't think that's bad, but man, it, it, it was like nails on a chalkboard when that chorus kicks in for me, just like, oh, please, move on, move on, and then it gets to the, the verse, and the verse is pretty groovy and stuff, and then, ugh, ugh. I, I don't love Simon and Garfunkel, kind of for this reason, they, they're generally a little too groovy for me sometimes, I like their darker stuff, I like, I like the soundtrack from The Graduate, I like a lot more. Um, but they have a song, Feeling Groovy, which is just just insufferable. It's awful. I, <laughs> okay, so I, I'm going to eat my own words, and I just looked it up, and it says that it was, the creation of this song was, it was written after Simon's divorce from his first wife, Peggy Harper. The song is supposed to be a mistress's humorous advice to a husband on ways to end a relationship. Oh. There you go. There goes my one woman Justified. Theory. I like that one uh, a lot better. Well, my one question I was going to say is, and I know I kind of want to hear Nate's response especially because he seemed to hate it the most. It is such a song of the times, and I think for that reason my question is, there's this, the late 70s was when you started getting these kind of grooves, and my question is, did it really groove or not? That's it. Did it groove? And for me, it's a two thumbs up. Definitely did. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, and and in that, I mean, in that sense, we're kind of, we'd kind of be appreciating it as like a museum piece, more Basically, than yeah. yeah, more more than as something I actually want to listen to. I don't, I don't think that's good enough reason to listen to stuff. I I did go back and listen to that drum intro because I didn't really pay attention to that from the beginning, and that is pretty nice, a nice yeah. drum. Yeah, it uh, is, and I'll I'll even. That. Even when the chorus hits, I mean, I, I really don't like it, but I think a lot of that is the lyrics are just too too goofy oh, yeah. to me. Um, yeah. But even that's got, that reminds me a little of James Taylor. My wife's family loves James Taylor. Um, and so I've heard a lot of him, and that's that's what it sounded like to me. So, I mean, you know, there's it, it has that quality, but there's enough late 70s pop and rock that I like to listen to without having to put it in some kind of historical context, so no, that's, I, I don't think that holds water necessarily, at least not as anything beyond a conversation piece, so but that's me. We'll have to do Norwegian Wood, because that's a fantastic song. Yeah, that's a fantastic album. Contracts. Unfortunately, yeah. we can't do it because there's no Beatles on Spotify. 
And if we actually want a real takedown notice, we might actually get it if we tried to put Beatles music on it's here. It's the Beatles sing-along. You're on the takedown notice. <laughs> Those jerks. Yeah. yeah, so... Those jerks. Yeah. Oh, man. All right, well, anyone else have any thoughts on 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover? You just get yourself free. All right, I think that's enough about Paul Simon. Thank you very much. That is about it for Episode 3 of the Takedown Notice. Guys, we have to talk about what we're going to be doing next time. What's, what, what singles we're going to be listening to throughout the month of March and then when we, when we release the next, our next singles podcast in April. Aaron, do you have a song picked out? for? Um, I do. So I've been listening to a lot of songs and I couldn't figure out what I wanted to, what to do. But I ended up settling on uh, Hound Dog by Big Mama Thornton. You ain't nothing but a hound dog. All right. So, very nice. John, did you pick a song I for guess. next month? I did, and Nate, you're just going to absolutely love that we're going back to the 70s. I picked out one of these things first by Nick Drake. I could have been a sailor, could have been a cook. There you go. Cool. And I, you know, okay, I, I, I want to tell you guys... The, the pain and the suffering I go through trying to figure out an album or uh, trying trying to pick a song I can pick albums easily enough but individual songs are tough because I don't want to I don't want to pick something you guys are likely to pick and I further don't want to pick something that I might want to use as an album later on so see this is this is what I what I go through and so I think what I'm gonna do this time I'm gonna I'm gonna stick in the post millennial age and I'm gonna go with written in reverse by spoon. I almost, I almost pulled a, a late 70s pop song as well. But since we already have two songs from before we were born, we're going to go with, with Spoon, written in reverse. I, I may come back to a Spoon album later on, but it won't be this one. So That's what we got, guys. All, All right. right. Here at the, uh, at the takedown notice, we're signing off. We will catch you guys in a couple of weeks with episode four when we will talk about... John, what album are we going to talk about next time? Uh, Futures by uh, Jimmy World. There you go. Futures by Jimmy World. If you want to email us, you can do so at the takedown notice, one word. No, don't put one word in there. The takedown notice at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And uh, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes. If you, if, I should say, you don't need to use iTunes to subscribe, but if you do use iTunes, I would love it if you would please leave us a review, preferably a positive one, or you can leave a negative one about John's Michigan sweatshirt. An awesomely also okay. scathing review. That's which also will bring okay. us more attention, which is also good. No such yeah, thing well, as bad publicity. Well one star reviews uh, <laughs> are welcome. Maybe there'll be a Tumblr about us someday, guys. Oh, that'd be great. And, and check us out at takedownnotice.podbean.com. Yes, that is our podcast website. You can subscribe to our RSS feed there and we'll put up some other updates. Uh, so we will uh, hopefully hear from you there and uh, we will talk to you in a couple of weeks. Thanks, everyone. Have a good day. <laughs>